a Podcast One production. If they are able to adopt different ways of tackling issues, that that might unleash the power of somebody else around them. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Welcome to part three of self-awareness. In this episode, how to grow and adapt. Our guest is Susan Ferrier, Group Executive of People and Culture at National Australia Bank. To be successful at work, we need to be able to adapt in many ways, no more so than when we're working with others. Our ability to understand ourselves and focusing on how we grow and adapt is essential for career success. We all know the less than constructive colleague, the person who lacks self-awareness and the non-productive behaviours that others exhibit at work. It's often easy to point the finger at others. However, it's really useful to learn more about ourselves and how we can adapt and change to be successful. In this episode, we discuss how we can be more self-aware and then adapt our behaviours at work so we are the constructive colleague and the positive leader. What are we talking about, Susan, when we talk about adaptive behaviour at work? What does that really mean? Well, I think sometimes when we talk about adaptive behaviour at work, people feel a bit intimidated by that concept because it feels like it's requiring them to change as a person and that means it's an inauthentic process. I often hear people saying, well, I can't do that because I want to stay true to who I, who I am. So therefore, I need to stay in this position rather than move, you know, even in a small way to another position. And I often find that you need to be able to have conversations with um with our work colleagues where you help them navigate that for themselves, whereby you're helping them see that if they are able to adopt different ways of tackling issues, that that might unleash the power of somebody else around them. So you need to get individuals to think that this is not about I have to change in a way that takes me away from who I am at my core, I think it's better to come at it with a frame, which is by going down a path where you are able to generate different ways of doing things for yourself, you're uplifting others as well. It's not just a self piece of stuff. By by generating and, and, and thinking about how you could be different in the world, as we said in a previous episode, it's like you're dropping something in a pond. You're changing your whole context. I think it's quite evolutionary. It's almost Darwinian. I mean, human species, I think, are hardwired around evolution and adaption. And it's something that we understand at a cellular level. And so if you can get to a point where you are helping people see that adaption and evolution is about generating success, then it has a whole different meaning uh, to it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a, well, I have to change because I'm, when I do that, I'm making that other person uncomfortable or cross. And so therefore I'm kind of doing it in opposition. 
to the other person. I think often we we kind of talk about adaption of style as a way of fitting in as opposed to empowering others. So I think if you can put a frame on it where you're being of service to others with your adaption, then I think that helps you step into it in a different way, step into that process in a different way. Unlocking uh, the thinking around empowerment Mm. would be a really Mm. great frame for people because Mm. change is actually every day and it's existing Mm. and it's not something we can resist uh, because that takes way too much energy. Um, So I imagine there's a bit of a danger though, Susan, in just always empowering others Mm. and forgetting about self. Again, we're talking about this fine, delicate balance between adapting to the point where we lose ourselves or adapting so we're being successful in our relationships. Mm. Yes, you're right. You need to have elements of self-regulation, self-control so that you can stand separate to the world. I'm just constant. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that. Just coming back to that earlier comment that I made around um, the sort of Darwinian aspect of this, because I think that um, maybe the word empowering was the wrong word to use. I'm wondering whether or not adaptation is almost a gift to the world, if you know what I mean. It's a gift to to change the system around us. And that's what the human species needs to be able to progress and create. And so it's not necessarily an overt kind of empowering act, but maybe it's almost to change the system that you're in, you need to change yourself and try things out and experiment. And, and, and in doing that, I don't, think you, I don't think you lose control of yourself or you lose your identity. I think you're just needing to step out and step back in. So... I'm interested in this thinking. Let's jump into some practical examples. Mm. Uh-huh. So adaption. I'm self-aware. I've got a value of harmony. I believe harmony is incredibly important. Now, that value actually means that my beliefs are that conflict isn't all that great mm. and we should maintain harmony. So conflict isn't good. And then my thinking is don't rock the boat. Mm. And then what everybody sees on the surface in my behaviour is someone who's avoidant and approval seeking, Mm. as opposed to somebody who's participating Mm. in having my own point of view or Mm. uh, engaging in a self-aware way of achieving. Mm. So that's my practical view of, Mm. um, of where you may need to adapt Modify, yes, maybe is a better word, but modify your behaviour and be aware by being self-aware of the very values and beliefs that you hold that they may have actually been appearing in the way that you don't want them to show up. Mm. That's one practical example that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Have you got any other examples, Susan? Well, I'm actually, I'm, I'm more interested in digging into the example that you've just given to bring it to life in a work context. So that case study that you've just shared, the individual in that case is sitting in, potentially sitting in meetings where views are being called for or there's an expectation that everyone contributes to create a product that is the, draws on everybody's capabilities. And that might be being done in a, in a context where lots of other individuals are far less oriented around harmony than that particular person. And so what's going to happen for that individual is that they're going to be seen as 
not someone who speaks up or contributes potentially. And so what what self-awareness would help that particular individual do is that depending on how the group operates uh, and if there's awareness amongst the group about individuals' strengths, they might be being able to play play the almost the harmony card at various points in the discussion. And if there's awareness in the group about the strengths that that particular individual have, they could either do that through humour or just on a straight bat. They could be trying to level set to get to a certain point once everyone's had a rambling, rambunctious debate, they could be coming in and collating what's gone on. And that's a way in which they can use their harmony capability, as we said earlier, for their secret, or not so secret, uh, power to the group. That's the sort of the incredibly valuable contribution that they could be making in that group. So I think that's a real, really interesting example where self-awareness can really strengthen and deepen your group teamwork capability. Mm-hmm. And you can call it out if you've got a group where, where there's a collective understanding about whatever where everyone sits. You, know, you could even be saying something like, I'm going to play my harmony card now because that's what this moment calls for in this discussion. Let's just settle, we sort of cast where we're up to and then we can kind of jump back into this again. And a little adaption on that could also be and by the way, now that I've got my harmony card out, I'm going to express a, an opinion about blah, 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 because it's sort of my entry, um, it's the door through which I can enter this conversation because you can't get a word in edgeways in this group with all the non-harmony folk down at that end of the table. So I think there's a, you know, that's for me ways in which self-awareness can help you show up and be really productive and powerful in situations. So that's that's where self-awareness can get you viewed as making a substantial contribution that runs against the predominant context. And if we had self-awareness in this instance and it was only in our head and we weren't applying it mm. or interacting with others or mm. speaking about it yeah. or sharing the language and the knowledge we have about ourselves with others, yeah. then we would become potentially resentful yes. or... Uh, show up with really yeah. bad behaviours yeah. or not be open to having the feedback of, actually, we'd love you to speak up a little bit more. Yeah. How might we help that happen? Yeah. Mm. So it sounds that example where you're creating a group of great safety mm. amongst a group of people. Yes. So they've adapted with each other, but it's yes. a very safe place to be. That's safe. right. Yes. Yes. And that doesn't arrive in a, in, a, in a team. That has to be something that's worked on. The concept of psychological safety just doesn't arrive at the front door. As soon as a team's formed, that's something that needs to be nurtured. Tell me about the concept of psychological safety at work. Yes. Well, it's a a concept that was derived by a researcher at Harvard called Amy Munson. She works extensively at Google, um, but she's also written and taught in this field for a very long time. And what that uh, work has produced is this idea that teams perform at a higher order where there is diversity, diversity of thought, constructive, positive challenge, where individuals feel that they um, can be who they are, they they show up in a way that they are um, adaptive but true and authentic selves, where there is practices that nurture the psychological safety so that it's a discipline 
And um, what what that sort of context creates is innovation. Individuals feel that they can experiment. They, they, there's safety around failure. Uh, so there's no blame. Yeah, there's no or blame. Mistakes that get no. kicked out the door. No, or mistakes that sort of leave a festering sore in the group. It's very much a, a group that is a learning organism, and it's fascinating research. I'm, didn't it, it, the project Aristotle, I think it was. Yes, that's at right. Google. That's yeah. right. That was the project. Yeah, and mm. they, they discovered that really, after spending a lot of time and a lot of money researching the effectiveness of teams, they realised psychological safety and um, everyone agreeing the norms were the thing. So, <laughs> yes, and but the psychological safety, the depth of that is yes. quite intense. Yes, and so it is. That, that I I think that it's really important to acknowledge that. Yeah if we are able or enabled to adapt and empower others, mm. that that's an important component yeah. part. Yeah, and you can measure uh, psychological safety because that's what that research is uh, also very important part of that um, research was that they were measuring groups where psychological safety potentially wasn't um, in evidence versus other groups and they were doing regular monitoring, um, survey monitoring in the groups at Google to understand what the conditions were. And the sorts of questions that were being asked of the group were things like, you know, is there diversity of opinion in this group? When somebody says something that's perceived to be silly, what happens? Uh, Does everybody make a contribution in some shape or form? Uh, you're always going to have loud contributors and less loud contributors, but does, does everybody feel like their voice is heard? Do people feel like when they're quiet that there's curiosity um, from their fellow um, individuals in the group where people reach in and bring people back in? Um, there's care in the group. Care for others, care for each other. So as we're talking through this subject of adaption, we know that it's really essential and important and it's about framing it to be empowering to others rather than a resistance and, oh, my God, I've got to change again. Mm. That this idea that uh, also psychological safety allows us to use our strengths and the best teams operate together in a way that allows them to adapt to the situations but you've also talked about the bigger system and the culture. If we're going to get even more practical and think about some of the ways uh, that we're aware that we need to adapt, but what are some of these daily things we can do? I'm Mrs. Practicality here. I'm Mm. Mrs. Practicality here. And I'm really (laughs) interested in the things that will help me become more adaptive. So people say to me, communication skills are really important to be adaptive. You need Mm. to be able to uh, have a heightened communication, take the time and communicate with others about what's going on. Mm. So the context is set, you know, you've got time to think about it, but Mm. we're so busy. So communication skills are important. Anything else come to mind, Susan? I think role modelling is probably very important in that you need individuals who are pursuing an adaptive path who are considered to be effective in their work and they are celebrated so that there's this model that you can observe and and it's an identified, declared model. I think that's quite important. 
There needs to probably be language uh, about how adaption is good and that, to be really simple about it, that individual has done significant effort around adaption and so therefore that's considered to be valuable and good in a team or in an organisation. So I think that's Well, they give prizes at school. Yeah. For... Yeah. Most improved... Effort. Effort. You know, someone tried to do something differently that wasn't working and now they have. And yes, this is celebrating learning. Yeah. So we celebrate adaption. Um, I saw something the other day where at Procter & Gamble in the US, they, I'm not quite sure if I'd phrase it like this, but I thought it was an interesting idea. They, at the headquarters, they have in their reception area a big wall that's called the Wall of Failures. And on it, they've got a whole lot of products that they've designed at various points that were a complete failure. So they've got this story of the product. And then they're out of the back of that. They've got, but this is what we learned as a result of this failure. So I think that's an adaptive um, situation. What you're seeing is an organisation that's messaging you know, from failure can come fantastic learning and that they've adapted that learning into something else that comes after that. So with so the teams, yeah, that's great. Yeah. With the teams that I work with, we do a 90-day review. So we do a, a technique that I've got, mm. a process. We're always doing these check-ins, but the whole point is what do we miss? Yes. What didn't work? Yeah. What did work? And what do we learn? Yes. So yeah. it's constant adaptive behaviour both yeah. by the team and the individuals. Yeah. And But I like this idea of a whole system thinking yeah. about instead of hiding them, we're actually celebrating, celebrating them. them. So I think that's really important to have that. And then I think there's, you know, there's probably all sorts of practical mechanisms that you can use to check whether or not you're edging into adaption. They might be the, the mechanisms of feedback where you're checking in and saying, does that feel different? Mm. And we've got um, the fixed mindset and the yeah. growth mindset, yeah. the work by Carol Tweck. Yes. Talking about how we're not ever fixed in our state. We really yeah. need to be growing yeah. and learning a we adapt our intelligence, yeah. don't we? Yeah, we do. Okay, yeah, that's so. fantastic. All that research that we've had the benefit of in the last five to ten years, it's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. So, Susan, this episode is very much around the Darwinian nature of our, we've, we've got very high level, <laughs> the, uh, you know, Darwinian nature of work and ourselves and how by actually being self-aware and acknowledging the impact we have on others in our environments, now we have the ability and as a human species to adapt our behaviour and our thinking to ways that suit the current situations without losing sense of very much the anchor of who we are and what our values are and how we best perform. So it's been a very interesting discussion. So remember, make good choices, continue to grow your self-awareness so you can adapt and thrive. Fast Track is produced in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the app or search Fast Track Career Conversations Podcast.